welcome to Minute 67 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and once again, joining me during this week is Jay Cluett, stepping in for Tom. Jay's of the uh, Deep Blue Sea podcast, so thanks for, for co-hosting again this week, Jay. Oh, well, I'm glad to be here, Rob. Thanks for having me. All right, and uh, once again joining us is uh, Don Wistens, the author of the Great Escape Location website. Thanks a lot for, for coming back. Thank you. All right, minute 67 starts off with Hiltz and Ives uh, getting out of the cooler, and it goes all the way till Hiltz goes over to grab a tea kettle. Basically, we finished uh, yesterday's minute, uh, was the, the, the discussion between Roger and Griffiths. It uh, switches shots, and we now get to see our hero, our cooler king, being let out of the cooler. Now, I, I, the first thing I, I noticed with this is when, when both of them went into the cooler, however long it was, 10 days ago, 20 days ago, whatever it is, they were both completely covered in dirt. They were filthy. <laughs> and, and they somehow were able to get their clothes uh, laundered while they were in there. Yeah. You know, I mean, Ives, Ives still needs to, you know, brush his hair a little bit. Steve McQueen, his hair is is, is parted perfectly. Yep. You know. Immaculate hair, as always, for Steve yeah. McQueen. Yeah. I, I just, first, my first thought as well was how did they, they just sit there picking the dirt off the from their clothes, bit of spit on their hands, rubbing it away. Just, I, I can't understand it. I don't know. But well, they they did have a week or two to do it, so you know that that I guess gives them a little bit of time. Yes. To, to that they have nothing better to do because Steve McQueen, as as everyone notices, doesn't have his ball and bat uh, ball and mitt this time. You know, he's he's got a little bit more bored, so I guess he's just picking sand and dirt off of himself. You never yeah. know. Yeah. You know, so the, the two of them walk out. They walk on towards the, the gate from the cooler to, to get out. Basically, you see, what, what's great is you see that Hiltz gives a really big, uh, he exhales as he's, you know, walking right next to Strachwitz. You know, he, he walks out and he sort of like huffs and puffs him. I don't even know the, the, the right term for it, but he, he's just looking around. He's smirking. He's, you know, he's like, all right, this was easy. You know, it didn't take me that long to, 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 to deal with. This and he just looks at him and just you know, gives him a big oomph. Right, and he's already got he's already got the next plan. He already knows yeah, of that course. this is only temporary. He's like back in here, I guess, for a little bit, but we'll be back outside again soon. It's fine. This yeah. is just going to get or, through this bit. Or I'll be back in the cooler soon. You know. <laughs> then they they walk back into the the compound with all the prisoners. It, it's it always amazes me. There's there's so many extras in this movie. That really have no speaking lines, or, or but but they all just always stare at the main characters. You know, you see, you see, you don't know if they're they're staring at Steve McQueen or if they're staring at Hiltz. You know, a bit of column A, a bit of column B, I reckon. But when exactly. when they leave the cooler, the the guard that opens the door, he like like checks McQueen up and down a little bit, just like scanning him. I'm not sure if he's checking; he's not stealing something from the cooler or just. Just uh, looking at him down, like, oh, this guy again. So it's just a little little moment from the extra there, just scanning him up and down, which I like, I like well, background work. Making, making sure that his keys are still uh, in his hands. You know, yes, that, true. That he, hasn't, that he hasn't found a way to, to somehow get the keys from him. Or maybe he's looking from down thinking, hang on, the last time I saw him, his clothes were filthy. Right, but if you also, <laughs> What's going on if you also pay attention, his helmet is, is crooked. When when McQueen looks at Drakwitz, so the, 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 the guard with keys... His, his helmet is not on straight. Barely see out of it. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, they, they gave the extra wrong helmet that day for him to grab. Yeah. Basically, it goes to the next shot where 
Filt walks into, I guess, his barracks, or, which, I, I mean, we, we all know his barracks is, is the cooler. So he, he's, maybe, maybe someone saved him a bed somewhere. I hope Whatever, so. And he walks into the room and is ambushed by Roger and Mac, who are both there wanting to make sure that everything is done as they want it to be done. You know, this, this is, I mean, they've, they've already formally met before they went into the cooler this time, but, you know, they still don't know each other very well, which, which is still amazing to me that, you know, Hiltz has been in prison for so long. He's, he's, he's an unknown character to, to almost everyone else in, in the compound. You know, here they took all the great escape artists from so many different camps and put them all together. And Hiltz is among them because he's the guy who, you know, has made, I think they said 18 escapes or 17 escapes. 17. At, yeah, so 18 17. now. At least 18 now. Cause he's just come back from all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you'd think that they would have heard about him. Well, I think I think Roger Roger knows of him. They just haven't. You know, Van Luger knows about him. So, yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he knows his first name, but right. later until tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He'll he'll find out his first name, but uh, yeah. So he says, "Good morning, Hiltz," and and Hiltz right away says, "Uh oh." <laughs> this is one of my favorite scenes of the whole film. I love this scene because it's a great scene because McQueen or Hiltz shows how intelligent he is. You know, a lot of times he, he says some really silly things, but here he basically, he knows everything that's going on. But also he does fall for it. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Like, he, <laughs> he falls for it, but that, that that's later in the week. We'll discuss him actually falling yes. for it. But he's still smart because he's, he's able to read people and know what they want and what they're doing. You know, that type of thing. What they want from him. And, you know, his first line yeah. is as well, if you're here to find out if I'm going out again, of course I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know. 17 days, 7th of July. So we've got a time frame. We have, we have dates of when exactly this is. Exactly. This is the 20th of June. Yeah. You know, the fact that he, that he starts talking, that he says that he's going out in the dark of the moon. Did, did either of you check when the dark of the moon was and if, if they got that right? No. <laughs> did they? Um, no, they did not. <laughs> okay. The, the the new moon in July nineteen forty this is nineteen forty three correct or is it nineteen forty two? Don nineteen forty four I thought it's nineteen forty four. Wikipedia says forty two in late late forty two so this would now be forty three. Wait, hang on. No, yeah, forty two, forty two, forty two. Ah, so I was looking in I was I was looking in the wrong month. <laughs> that's that's Wikipedia. Wikipedia could be wrong. It could be, yeah. but uh, but maybe but maybe 1942 is correct when you look at it. So, all right, when we go to July of 1942, the full moon, the new moon was was on the 13th of July, and the new moon is when it's uh, completely dark. So so this should be the 13th, 14th, and 15th. So I I think they got they got it wrong by uh, by uh, by by a week. <laughs> If yeah. if we're talking about 1942, if we're talking 1943, they got it all, they got it wrong by a few days. Also, we could also check 1944 to see if maybe maybe that's where where the research got them. Uh, because in 19 I wonder how how easy that would have been to research in 1962 when they're making this. Because we can we just did a quick Google, we have the information. But <laughs> 60 years ago, probably wasn't going to be quite as easy. It's just when, when's the dark of the moon? Correct. In July of 1942. Okay, well, 1944 is also incorrect, if that's the case, because 1944, the dark moon is the 19th. So, yeah, for whatever whatever way you look at it, they got the moon phase wrong in, in the, the research that they did. I, I guess, I, I think part of it was is the idea to, to, to do this around July 4th. 
because of the fact that everything is, uh, you know, the, the movie revolves around the 4th of July at some point. That's true. I mean, they could have, it wouldn't have been much more different to say we're going out on the 13th of July uh, in like, 23 days, would have been that, at that point. That wouldn't have changed anything. True, but in, in about... a few weeks, in a few weeks when we discuss this, after uh, the July 4th scenes, basically he says he's going out that night. So he's going out on yeah. July 4th, which is not the dark, the dark phase of the moon. In either sense, but I suppose it, it, it's in the world that the film is set in, it will be darker than in real life. So fine, I'll allow it. Yes, okay. I mean, it's 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 still interesting the fact that he says I'm going out on this day, and and Roger's response is, "Oh, that's the dark of the moon," meaning everyone knows this. This is this is information that's uh, that that's readily available to everyone in the prison camp. Well, it's <laughs> at least at least to Mac, it's Mac's job to know everything that's going on in the prison. So I feel like that's something that he would be aware of. He's just uh, the all-seeing eye of everything going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Well, later on we find out that he's not, but uh, he tries to be. Okay. You know, uh, not this week. True, yes. You know, he, well, in a few weeks yes, we'll yes. discuss about the potatoes. He doesn't know what they're using potatoes for. You know. He, but he knows they're going. He knows that they're being taken and by whom. Yes. He doesn't know what for. He doesn't know what it's for. So he knows he knows that, that, that Hilton Ives want to break out and, you know, tunnel out, <laughs> you know, uh, mole, do their mole act, but he doesn't know about that. But whatever, we'll we'll get to that in a few weeks. So outside of the big escape, are Hilts and Ives the only two trying their own little solo game? In the movie or in real life? Either. Okay, no, because in real life, there, there there's there's a famous escape that, uh, that actually happened from this camp. Don, are you aware of any other big escapes that happened from the camp? No, no. Okay. Well, there was there was a movie that came out in uh, 1951 called uh, The Wooden Horse. Yeah. And that's based on uh, a real escape that happened in this camp a few months before the Great Escape, because the the Germans allowed them to to do a lot of sports, so they they created a uh, pummel horse, and uh, every day they would put two men in the pummel horse and they would dig down oh, and they got out and I think three. Two or three, I don't remember right now offhand. I think three three prisoners actually made it back to England by going out that way. Which I, I always find it amazing that it. this movie doesn't reference it at all. Uh, because it, it is a movie that came out, you know, 12 years earlier. It is, uh, that's also based on a book. You'd think that they would have thrown out at some point, uh, you know, the fact that, oh, uh, you know, Jeeves and, and, uh, and Worcester got out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised they don't mention it because I feel like it might undermine the the spectacle of the of the, the great escape of the title. If like, oh, it's the great escape, and also this other little no, one that happened halfway through because it makes it all the more imp- it makes it all the more impressive that uh, it got all these all these people out at the end, and no one did it at all in the whole duration of being in there. It's just this one at the end. So in, in the, the drama of the film, I think it makes sense not to bring it up. And also at, at the start when they're coming to the camp, before we talked about this. Uh, when they're stabbing, they're ramming the the guards are all checking if anyone's hiding in the the branches and things. You'd feel like cutting a pommel horse in half would fit under the same uh, kind of remit of it's just somebody hiding in this clearly hollow thing. That's true, uh, but so. no, I I don't think that they needed to go into to explicit detail of what happened, but to mention in in passing that there were escape attempts that that succeeded. Or the fact that there were more escape okay. attempts, because as you said, it it looks as if uh, Hilts and Ives are the only two that are actually trying to go anywhere. You know. Yeah. 
because they, you know, they say like to to let them keep on trying to escape to just throw the guards off their scent. But I, if I was with the guards, I'd be very suspicious that <laughs> it's just these two again and again and again and nobody else. Yeah, I mean, the book the book talks about the fact that there were, there were the reason that the cooler was so big was because they needed a lot of room because there were a lot of, of people trying. You know. Just uh, just two That's rooms right. would have been fine. It's, it's, the Hilton. it's the Hilton. You know, you got the uh, Hilt suite and the Ives suite. You know. There and, we go. Uh, yes. See, for for me, it's not about the moons, Rob. It's about locating the cooler. Where is that iconic cooler? Um, and that was one of the things when I went to Bavaria Studios over the years, um, I tried to find that um, cooler. Where it was in that, in the woods that we have today. And there's one, if you look at the film, in the top left-hand corner, there's a um, stone building that they couldn't remove because it was uh, an electric cupboard and it's still there today so if you ever or if your listeners ever go to Bavaria Studios and try and go down the pathway and locate where this um, electric hut mm-hmm. cupboard is they can work out uh, where the cooler was but obviously where the cooler is now is um hundreds of trees um, and again all the uh, interiors that you've just been discussing was just um, on the same site the Bavaria Studios had a big studio where they had the tunnel from one end to the other inside the studio and all the interiors was either done on the site or in, in the studio um, and they would walk to the camp um, so John Layton who I met last year would uh, try and uh, visualise where everything was, but unfortunately it's not a museum, um, it's just hundreds of trees. But wouldn't it be nice to know where that cooler is specifically at the various studios? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, uh, I, my, my assumption also is because the, the movie was filmed 60 years ago, so John Layton or anyone else who was around at the time might not remember specifically also so you're right it's too bad that they didn't mark it at the time yeah that, that yeah yeah we, we continue the conversation where they actually ask uh, hilt if uh, ives is actually going to go with him his response is yeah if he wants to and then the, mac has a great line after that he goes well you know that ives is close to cracking now <laughs> we, we knew this before the the previous escape attempt you know this isn't something new to anyone here but it's new information that Mac knows. Well, he should have known. I, I can't. No, he, well, yeah, he, but, they but, discussed but, it last time. I, I can't remember that. It's been a while since I've seen the whole film. Uh, not since I was lost on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, fair enough. No, they, they, uh, they, said, I suppose they're just they're, they're reiterating it for the audience because the last time we, we just saw I was previously and he seemed fine uh, walking out of the cooler. He was like, oh, I'm like out in the air. Oh, he, he just needs a shower. Yeah. Indeed, yes. But I, I'm, I'm glad I got I got uh, Ives in my in my minute this time because last time last time you give you a whole week with no Ives and no Steve McQueen. God damn you! And here you get here uh, you get a week. <laughs> you get an entire week with Steve McQueen. Yeah, McQueen week and just a few brief seconds of Ives, but that's that's enough because I I love Ives as one of my favorite characters. Yeah. It's just it's fun to have a Scottish character called Ives. Uh, Don may know this. Do you know, Don? Are you familiar with with Porridge, the the sitcom, the Ronnie yeah, Barker sitcom? I, I yeah, I am. I'm, yeah. I, 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 
name um, is Angus Lenning. And when I was growing up as a kid, maybe I'm slightly older than everybody, um, he was in a TV series called Crossroads. Oh, yes. Right? Alias Angus Lenning. And he was a chef, I think, in there. So I grew up with Angus Lenny, alias Ives, in the long-running series called Crossroads. Can you, uh, have you got any recollection of that, Jay? I, I am familiar of, I think it got like a, a re-release. Uh, they started doing it again in like the 90s or something. I, I, yeah. I've, never, I've never seen it. It's like a, Rob, I think it's, it's a soap opera, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, in a hotel. Motel, yes. Yeah. Yeah. On the lines of like a, an EastEnders or a Coronation Street kind of thing, but set in a hotel. Uh, so Angus, yeah, I, um, Angus Lenny, alias Ives, moved on into the TV world, um, Rob, of a long-standing series. That he, he was, was popular. He was 76 episodes. He was. Wow. Yeah. He did six episodes of Doctor Who as well, Shug- which we talked Shug- about yesterday. Shuggy McPhee. Is, was I think that's pretty shooey. Shooey? I'd say uh, shooey. Oh, shoo-y. Yeah, I would guess. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that it's a Scottish character called Ives just because in the in the sitcom Porridge, which is set in a prison, another prison film, starring Ronnie Barker and, and Richard Beckinsale, who's Kate Beckinsale's dad, there was a, a Scottish prison warden called Mackay, Mr. Mackay, and a, a, an inmate called Ives. And it's called him Horrible Ives, but in a, in a thick Scottish accent. And so it's just, I just like having a Scottish character called Ives. It always makes me think of Porridge. That's nothing to do with this film whatsoever, but it's just my train of thought. It's still a connection. That's Horrible like, Ives. Still a connection. And then basically Queen says, well, maybe it's better for him to go out in the tunnel, which, you know, and the, the answer is as well, it's it's much safer for him to go out in the tunnel. It would be. Which, it, it would be. well, knowing what happens in the end of the movie, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think it, it, again, Cavendish. It's all Cavendish's fault. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> Don, when I was last done, I blame everything bad that happens in this film on Cavendish. Uh, he is the film's true villain. Um, but <laughs> I'm not going to get back into that. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like had everything gone to plan, it would have been safer for Ives. Uh, but he, I don't know how high up in the running order he would have been. Because depending on... He's not going to be integral to the, the tunnel escape other than causing like diversions. Well, first of all, first of all other... according to the original script, Ives and Hilt do a lot of the digging. Okay. They, they have a lot of scenes of the two of them digging. He's a mole. Yes. It makes yeah. sense. No, but they have them with Danny and Willie yeah. digging, which which I found interesting that, I mean, I guess Steve McQueen saw the script and said, I'm not getting that dirty. I'll get dirty <laughs> once. <laughs> you can make me dirty for one scene, but I'm actually going <laughs> to dig. <laughs> exactly. Manual labor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do either of you have anything else for this minute? No. Don, anything else for this minute? No, that's okay. All right. So, Don, you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yes. Um, if you go to my website, the dot com, there is a um, an email address that you can contact me via my email address. All right. Great. Jay, you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, I'll deeply see the podcast, going through the deeply see franchise one chapter at a time with myself and my co-host Mark Hoffmeyer having a great time over there talking about shark films. All right, great. And to get in touch with us here, you can uh, send us an email at thegreatminute at gmail.com. You can visit us on Twitter the, at greatescapemxm. Our website's thegreatescapeminute.com. And you can uh, join our Facebook group and uh, have discussions with us on the, in the cooler. Until tomorrow, tally-ho. 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 Tally-ho.